This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com. Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. In the middle of letter number 12, explaining the verse in Isaiah that the act of tzedakah the reward for the act of tzedakah will be peace, and the reward for the service of tzedakah will be tranquility and betach, surety, forever. He says that there's two things. There's the act of tzedakah, which leads to peace, and then there's the service of tzedakah, which leads to more than just peace, a deeper level of peace, uh, peace and quiet and tranquility forever. He says, what's the difference between the act of tzedakah and the service of tzedakah? So he says, to understand the idea of peace. And the idea of peace, he says, we find Hashem makes, um, Hashem makes peace on high. On the verse in Job, Hashem makes peace amongst, in high places. The need for peace is even high above, especially a high. Because there, everything is very defined. So you have opposites. You have fire and you have water. You have the angel who's the master over fire. Gabriel, which is strength and fire. And you have Michal, who's the master of a kindness. And the two are opposites. And yet Hashem is able to bring the reconciled opposites. So he explained that only Hashem has the ability when there's a revelation of Hashem, there's a revelation of something greater than themselves, only then are you able to fire and water are able to, to merge. And then you're able to sweeten this, the sweetness be able to sweeten the temper and mellow the the um, the strength with sweetness with kindness. And he says, "How do we do this?" He says, "We do this through the attribute of mercy." He says, "We have kindness, and then we have the opposite, and then you have the idea of mercy." By mediating the determining factor between Chesed and Levora, which leans towards Chesed, i.e. the attribute of Rachamim, mercy. When Chesed does not insist, so to speak, on an unlimited revelation of kindness, but is satisfied to reveal the godly illumination in a finite manner, Levora insists only on withholding the revelation from those who are unworthy of receiving it, but does not insist on blocking the revelation altogether even from the worthy, then the mediating attribute of mercy, which leans towards kindness, declares that while a particular recipient may not be strictly worthy of the kindness to be shown, he is at least worthy of being granted it out of compassion. The idea of kindness is always be generous, always be kind, to give without any limitation person needs, deserves, doesn't deserve. You just want to give. You always want to... What's the opposite of kindness? is strength. You're not worthy. Why you should not give? Why you should restrain? Why you should hold back? To step back, to hold back. It's like the prosecutor and the lawyer and the prosecutor. Two opposites. But then you have the idea of mercy. The idea of mercy... There's no argument the idea of mercy. Mercy is the ultimate of bringing two opposites together. Because how do you reconcile opposites? How do you reconcile two different things? How do you make peace? 
especially between two opposites, two different things, and two opposites. So, there is a way of bringing opposites together by way of an intermediary. The intermediary is like, they both meet halfway. The intermediary understands everyone's position and you know, there's a little of this, there's a little of that, and therefore you're able to come together. It's like in the olden days with a teacher. The Talmud says in the olden days, a teacher would teach his students, he had a turgaman. A turgaman means someone who would be like an intermediary, would stand in between. He's not as brilliant as the teacher, but he's not. He's a little brighter than the students. So he was smart enough that he was closer to the teacher, but he was also closer to the level of the students. So he was able to take the idea and then... The teacher would teach and then he would translate it. So he was like a translator, so like an intermediary. We can't take it directly from the teacher. There's such a gap, like opposites, the teacher and the student. So you have, you come, you meet halfway. You meet halfway, it's not exactly, you're no longer the teacher, you're no longer the student. And somehow it comes together. So when you have opposites, for example, the body and the soul, how do you connect the body and the soul, the two opposites? So you have, like the spiritual of the physical, you have the, uh, the energy, the moistness, or the, you know, which, which is like the most spiritual of the physical, which is a vessel for the, like, the most physical of the spiritual. So how do you connect energy with the physical? It's like two opposites. So the energy flows and is connected with the, with the, with the physical, but it's, it's the, like from the blood, you get the, like the, the uh, moistness of the blood creates like a, um, like a cloud or something, something, a heat. Uh, and that's able to contain and receive the level of the soul that's closest to the physical. So it's like there's like an intermediary where they meet halfway. The soul and the body meet halfway and therefore they're able to meet somehow. So when they meet in this meeting ground, where they meet halfway, it's really, it's not the level of a teacher the way the teacher is, and it's not really the level of the student the student is. It's, it's, you minimize the teacher and you elevate the student a little and they stretch and they're able to meet. Yes, you bring the two opposites together, but it's by each one walking away from its own, its own level, stretching from its own level. But he says real peace is like the attribute of mercy. The attribute of mercy is not just an intermediary between the prosecutor and the accuser. The attribute of mercy reconciles, truly reconciles, and includes all of these attributes. And both of the attributes completely agree with the attribute of mercy. Because the attribute of, of kindness says that the person I should give without any discrimination. But he says, the attribute of, of Rahim says, yes, let's give. But the attribute of Rachman, of mercy, is not just to anyone, a person who needs mercy, a person who, who deserves to have mercy, who needs to, who you have mercy on. So the attribute of strength, the prosecutor, with mercy, tells the pro prosecutors, listen, the person deserves, he's guilty, he deserves to be sentenced harsh. You're right, I'm not arguing with you. But have Rahmanus, have mercy. He's a human being, he's a person. That there's no argument. The attribute of strength is you're right. I'm not arguing. You know, I'm not going against what all I'm saying is the person doesn't deserve. And you're agreeing with me. But you're telling me go a little further. The person doesn't deserve, but let's go a little deeper. But have Rahmanus. He's still a person. Go a little deeper. He's a person. 
take into consideration where he's coming from, why he's acting out. Maybe he was abused as a child. Who knows why? If you go a little deeper. So you can't be angry at the person. Why are you angry at the person? You sentence them harshly. Yes, he did this terrible thing. I'm totally acknowledging it. I'm not arguing with you. So he's not arguing. The Rachmanus is not arguing with Chesed. He's not arguing with Gevura. He's saying, you're right and you're right. You're both right. <laughs> and they both agree that this person deserves the Rachmanus and this person deserves that we should act kindly with this person. This is the ultimate reconciliation without negating the opposites but completely taking into account these two opposites and yet completely reconciled, coming up with something new. It's a new approach. It's not you have to compromise and you have to sacrifice and each one has to give up and meet somewhere in the middle. Let's compromise and, and so no one is happy. You know, everyone's going to lose. Nobody is happy because it's not this and it's not that. No, on the contrary. Everyone is happy. No one is losing. No one has to compromise. It, it's a new approach. It reconciles opposites. Where each one wholeheartedly agrees with, with Rachman. So Rachman says, mercy says, have Rachmanus. He deserves to have mercy. Because let's go a little deeper. If you go a little deeper, you'll discover that there's a real person there. And the person is worthy. Have pity on the person. He's guilty, yes. 100%. But, have Rachman. That there is no argument. And everyone agrees wholeheartedly. So this idea, this approach of being able to reconcile opposites, which are completely opposite in the total way, we're incorporating each attribute, totally incorporating each attribute, and yet they all agree this is a whole new approach. This can only come from a very deep place. And that's why it's Rachmim, the center. Chesed is on the right, the right hand, Gevura is the left hand, and the heart, the heart of the matter is Rachmim, Rachmanus, because Rachmim gets straight to the soul. It's a much deeper approach. It, could, it must be. In order to reconcile opposites, you have to go much deeper. That's why the heart is the center. The heart can bring together the right and the left. It's not rigid, it's not limited. It's infinite. Because it touches a much deeper place. And when you approach it from a much deeper place, you get a whole different response. It evokes a whole different response, a whole, different, a whole new response, a fresh response. Otherwise, a whole new approach. Otherwise, you're stuck, you're limited. Chesed is limited. You know, the arms come to an end. The heart, but here the heart continues. It's like center. The brain, the heart, and it's one. The body is the center, it's one. But the heart, the right hand, and the left hand, the right leg, and the left leg, they're all separate, they're all apart. It's limited. So a person whose only response is chesed is a very rigid, limited approach. Because he's stuck within the framework of Seder Ishtalshalus, he's stuck within the framework. So it's very defined. Everything is very defined, everything is very limited. But when you're touching the heart, you're tapping into something that's infinite, something that's undefined. You're touching something that's, that's infinite. Just like a person who has a Rahmanas. Children don't have Rahmanas. Children are not capable of Rahmanas. Children are actually very cruel. To their fellow uh, classmates, they can leave scars for life. <laughs> they don't even realize what they're doing. The more mature a person is, it's the harder it is for him to get angry. The more Rahmanas he has. He can't get angry if you have Rahmanas. He's very intelligent. He's very aware. He knows all the faults of the person. He knows the person is guilty. He knows the person deserves. But you have Rahmanas. How can I be angry if you have Rahmanas? Why is this person, when I see that this person is just acting out, I'm going to get angry at him. It's like a child. So I realize just acting out and underneath all of that there's a real person that's trapped underneath all that that's stuck and it's just a cry of help so uh, how can I get angry be angry at someone you have Rahmanus 
you're taking the bigger picture, it's a much deeper approach. You're looking at the soul of the person. Once you see the soul of the person, I have Rahmanas, I can't get I can't get angry. So you're not arguing with Gabura. Yes, you're right, he's guilty, one hundred percent. But you have to admit, I have Rahman first. So that when you go deeper, it reconciles opposites. There there's no there's no resistance, there's no opposition, there's no right, there's no left. It's a whole, much more holistic, much deeper approach. So that's how you have peace. That's why the center, that's why it's called the center, the heart is the center, Ahmanus is the center, it's the deepest part. And the rabbis refer to the Rachamim, continue, the att this attribute. This attribute of Rachamim is called Tiferet, beauty, in the terminology of the Kabbalists, literally the scholars of truth because it is made up of the two colors, white and red, which allude to Chesed and Gavura respectively. Rachman is therefore called Tiferet because there is beauty in the harmony of diverse colors. So what's Tiferet? Tiferet is beauty. So beauty, if you have one solid color, it's not beauty. Beauty is the blend of colors. The question is, how can, how can you create something that's not there? If you're saying that White alone, solid white is not beautiful. Solid red is not beautiful. How suddenly when you mix red and white, all of a sudden you get a blend, you get a beauty. You can't give what you don't have. If there's no beauty inside of you, if red doesn't have beauty and, and, uh, and uh, white doesn't have beauty. So how do you magically you to put the two colors together and now suddenly you have beauty? The answer is that beauty expresses, captures something that's undefined, that's really, that's really beyond definition. And that's why it's an expression. It's an expression of something. The fact that you're able to take two opposite colors and bring them together it's an expression of something that's beyond the individual colors. And you're capturing something that's really undefined. You're capturing in color, you're capturing something that's an expression of something that's really beyond, beyond definition. It's captured. It's the, the dazzling colors it captures. You get a glimpse of something that's really beyond beyond definition. So it's in the blend that you're really going beyond just the colors. You're going, you're going to the, you know, the essence. The whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. The whole, you're able to express, reconcile opposites and contain opposites. And it's really all part of one. It's all part of one single reality that expresses itself in many, many different ways. So where do the colors come from? There is a place where the whole is greater than this color and that color and that color. It it's, it's, contains all the possible colors. And that whole is expressed. You get a glimpse of it in a mixture of colors. When you only have one solid color, one rigid color, what you're getting is, is one little detail. You're not capturing the whole. It's very external. It's like the arm that's external to us. But the heart expresses something that's internal, the whole, that's greater than the sum total of its parts. And therefore it expresses, it's expressed in, in, in the mixing of colors, the ability to mix two opposite colors. In that blending, in that coming together, it's an expression of something that's really undefined. You get a glimpse of something greater, of something undefined. We find similarly, we find, for example, says the mana. When you ate the manna from heaven, you're able to taste. In the manna, you're able to taste every single taste imaginable. You were in the mood for pizza that night? <laughs> whatever, whatever you wanted to taste in the manna, you can taste in the manna. Again, the question is, how can one single food contain every single taste in the world? How is it possible? And the answer is, because the manna was not bread from the earth, lechem in the manna was lechem in bread from heaven. 
when they made a blessing over the manna, they, their blessing was different than ours. We say, thank you, Hashem, for bringing bread from the earth. They made a bracha, where does bread come from? Every child knows where bread comes from in the desert. Bread comes from heaven. Manna from heaven. Of course, everything in this world comes from heaven. But it means that even when in, in this world, it remained heavenly. It was heavenly bread. So even though it came in the physical form, it was a heavenly bread. And therefore, heaven, there's no limit. There's no limitation. There's no definition. So therefore, it, it's expressed in this, in this miraculous type of food, but it remained miraculous. It remained heavenly. And therefore, anything you want to taste, it contained all the tastes. It's not defined. It's not limited. It can't be limited because it's something that's infinite. And that's why the manna left them hungry because you weren't something that's defined, that's limited, you can digest. But something that's infinite, even when you're eating it, it remains infinite. It's an expression of the infinite. In a way, it, it just leaves you hungry because it, you can't really digest it. You can't really contain it. It, it. You're dealing with something that's really beyond definition. So beauty captures something that's beyond it's not part of this world in a way. It's, it's beyond this world. When you see some dazzling mixture of colors and you see real beauty, it just grabs you. What you're seeing is beauty. It's really not part of this world. I mean, kings went to war for beauty. <laughs> sacrificing their treasure and sacrificing their, their power and everything they had for beauty. You know, beauty in this world is really something that's otherworldly. It's a reminder of something that's really beyond this world. So when you're touched by beauty and you see beauty, and beauty is a blend, a mixture, because you're seeing is something heavenly, you're seeing something godly, you're seeing something that's really undefined, and it's captured by beauty. So it's not the one color, this color. If two colors are limited, how when you mix the two colors, suddenly I have something that the colors don't have. No, what you're seeing here is an expression of something that's beyond just the colors. It's something otherworldly. It's something beauty touches the divine. It's something godly. That's what beauty touches us so deeply. People pay, what was it, $100 million a piece of art for, for something real beauty. It, it's, what price do you put in it? It's something that's priceless. It's something that's beyond this world. Real beauty, real art is something that's beyond... You can't express it in, in dollar bills. And it's a touch of heaven. It's a taste of heaven. It's a taste of the divine. It's, 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 it's expressing in this world something that's really beyond this world. The mixing of two colors together, beauty, is a taste of something that's really beyond. It's unlimited. It's un something infinite. And it's captured. The only way to capture it, it's an expression. It's an expression of the infinite. Of course, it's not infinite, it's a taste, a reflection, a glimpse, a window into the infinite. So to the heart, mercy, rachamim, is a glimpse of the infinite, of the undefined, of an expression of the undefined. That was the only way for the undefined to express itself in this physical world. How can the undefined and the unlimited and the infinite express itself in this limited world? By colors, a mixture of opposites, red and white. Uh, the heart blending rachme, mercy, compassion blending the right and the left. That's called beauty. It's an expression of something otherworldly, of something godly. The divine name Havaya, the tetragrammaton, as it appears unqualified throughout the Torah, therefore indicates the attribute of the Tepheret. The Kabbalah says that the names, every name of Hashem, the seven names that are, you're not allowed to erase, that are Hashem's name, represents another attribute. Kale is chesed, is kindness. Elohim is gevura. And Hashem's personal name, His essential name, Yudke Vavke is Tiferes, is beauty. The question is, why beauty? Beauty is not the first. You would think Hashem's name should be number one, chesed, which is the first attribute. Also, Hashem's light is found everywhere in all of the attributes Hashem's infinite light, God and His attributes are one. So what do you mean, what's unique about beauty that only beauty is called, refers to Hashem's personal and essential name, the four letters that we can't even pronounce. We're not allowed to even pronounce until Mashiach comes. 
because what's unique about beauty is of course all the attributes contained within them are Hashem's infinite light Hashem and His attributes are one and inseparable but beauty not only the light but even the vessel so to speak is also a reflection of the infinite the whole being of mercy of compassion of beauty of blending two colors together its whole essence is, essence is really an expression of something infinite of something undefined which is Hashem's personal name re- reflecting past, present, future the infinite, the undefined and therefore that's why it has the ability to reconcile opposites it's expressed in its ability to reconcile opposites like mercy is able to reconcile chesed and gavura, kindness and severity beauty is able to reconcile two opposite colors and bring them together harmoniously in harmony and bring them all together and create a total harmony to show that not only aren't they opposites but they're really all one all relate to each other and connect with each other and all part of one because it's a reflection of the bigger picture when you see the forest and the trees you see the whole picture you see it's all interrelated interconnected suddenly it's all about relationships suddenly there's peace and harmony it's not it's not one versus the other that whole dichotomy that whole split right versus left from the inside out from the divine perspective there is no split from the infinite the undefined point of view is only one one reality and everything is infinite and undefined and everything therefore it's dynamic and it all, everything is relates to each other and connects with each other it becomes like one whole organic dynamic system and there is no right and there is no left it's a whole different po- po- point of view it's a whole different perspective it's a whole different dynamic a whole different reality that expresses the name Hashem that's an expression of Hashem's personal name Hashem's essential name Hashem's infinite self truly undefined so that's only in the center not chesed which is the first but it's on the right or gevura which is the second it's on the left but beauty kindness compassion which is in the center as stated in the sacred Sohar, each of the divine names indicates one of the supernatural attributes the name for example indicates chesed elokim indicates gevura and any unqualified appearance of the ultimate divine name havaya which is known as the chemhatim the essential name alludes to the attribute of Tiferet. Why is this the case? For here in Tiferet, the infinite ends of light become manifest in an immense illumination, surpassing that the other divine attributes. This then is the meaning of the above quotation, that he makes peace in his high places. The revelation of Hashem infinite light makes peace between Michael, between Michael and Gabriel, who represent Hesed and Geburah. Only Hashem can make peace between fire and water, between opposites, reconciling opposites. It's only because of the revelation of Hashem Himself, the revelation of something infinite infinitely greater, something of another order of the core and essence of the reality of chesed and gvurah the underlying reality that transforms their whole experience and then suddenly they become interrelated, interconnected reconciled, unified, one harmonious, blending together and they're brought together in beauty You know, Talmud says when two people work together, it's not like you just don't have double the energy. You have uh, multiple times of the energy. When you have two opposites and now work together, it's not just, okay, now I have two forces together. It's of a different order. It's beautiful. It's, It's harmonious. It's peace. Peace is so powerful. What peace unleashes, the energies and the abilities, the genuine peace unleash. It's tapping into Hashem. It's divine. It's godly. That's why the name Shalom is God's name. It's one of God's names. Not one of the names you cannot erase, but it's because peace, real peace, can only come from Hashem. Real peace 
not of the Camp David type or the Oslo peace, but genuine peace comes from within. It's divine, it's godly. Peace is divine, peace is genuine, peace is something that comes from within. When you have form or two opposites coming together, former enemies and making real peace, there's nothing more powerful. So on high, when you have two opposites, and when they're opposite on high, they're really opposites. In high, and when, on heaven, you can't mix fire and water. It's two opposites. It's not possible. And yet when Hashem reveals Himself, reveals His infinite light, and you get a glimpse of something infinite, of something undefined, and then you really see the true face of reality, from the inside out, from God's point of view, and suddenly you see that there's no opposition. It's all one reality, one entity, and they all relate and connect with each other. As we see that in the human aspect of mercy, we see how mercy brings together and blends two opposites. We see in the physical expression of colors. Colors is an expression of something otherworldly, godly, divine. It's, it's, it touches us so deeply. You know, people are ready to do anything for beauty. Beauty is... is it's something otherworldly. Beauty is not part of this world. It's not, it's not something practical. Okay, you know, it, it's, it just touches us, reminds us that there's something godly and divine and special in this world. That just beauty is just an expression of it, a, a, a tapping into it, a, a window to something infinite and undefined. That's why it touches us so deeply. So this is shalom, shalom. Only Hashem can make peace. Peace comes from within. It's divine. It's a godly attribute. It's Hashem's, it expresses Hashem's name. Hashem's essential name. This ability of total harmony, of being centered and being focused and being... This is, this is a godly phenomenon. This is a truly godly... Everything is from Hashem. Kindness is also from Hashem. And strength. But this is an obvious an overtly expression of something godly. It's not part of this world. To be able to reconcile opposites, this is, this is an expression of the infinite. You're seeing the infinite at the work. You're seeing the undefined. You're touching the undefined. And that's why it's very deep. It's much deeper. Compassion is a much deeper attribute than love. The ability to have compassion is much, much deeper. You have to be much more mature. You have to be in touch with your soul to see the soul in the other person. It's tapping into something infinite and undefined. And that's why on that level there could be movement. There could be change. Without that, people are frozen in place. Fire is fire and water is water and they're, and they're irreconcilable. You go a little deeper. You touch the divine and suddenly there's movement and there's change. And what seems to be frozen in place, opposite, suddenly the hail, the fire, and the water, and the ice are together, working together in tandem. <laughs> Miraculous. It's divine. It's godly. It's, it's, there's movement. There's change. Possibilities. Suddenly all the possibilities open up. And, you know, we have relationships that feel that way. People work together for 20 years. And from day one, they turned each other off and only went from bad to worse. Everyone is frozen. Everyone, this one is smirking at this one. This one can't stand this one and this one. And irreconcilable. Frozen like ice, fire and water, opposites. And that's it. There's no, not even a possibility of real change. When you go a little deeper, suddenly there's inner dynamic, there's movement, there's change. Anything is possible. Because you're tapping into a whole different reality. Tapping into an infinite, undefined reality. The true, the true core and essence of reality, of the reality of chesed. This is their reality. This is their core, this is their essence, the infinite, the undefined. And at that level, chesed and gevur are not opposite points. They're just points in relation and connection with each other. And it's a whole different dynamic, a whole different energy, a whole different revelation. So the revelation of Tiferes is so intense, it's so powerful. Even the revelation of it, the overt level of Tiferes, is a revelation of something infinite. It's, re it's a revealed expression of something infinite. Like a taste of the manna, the heavenly bread. It was heavenly, remained heavenly. Even when it came in physical form, it remained a godly, heavenly, miraculous bread that was a revelation of something heavenly. 
from a different dimension, a different level, a different dynamic, a different di- level of reality revealed in this world. And that's beauty. And when we see it, we know it. And we're just wowed by it. When we see beauty, we just, it, it just, it just, people are ready to pay hundreds of, over $100 million for one single, <laughs> one single painting capture, that captures some, a taste of that beauty. It's priceless. Like, how much would you pay for a jar of mana from heaven? <laughs> how much is it worth? <laughs> you know, it's priceless. It's not part of this world. It's, it's, it's practical, utilitarian. It's just... So this is what makes us... This is what reminds us that we're divine. To be kind is human. To be compassionate, to have Rachmanus, that's divine. That's godly. This is what connects us with Hashem. That's what he's going to say now. So how do we evoke that from within Hashem? How do we reveal that? How do we evoke this godly, divine revelation in a revealed way? When we, in turn, have Rachmanus, when we have compassion, then we draw down this divine, intense divine revelation. We draw down Hashem's compassion, Hashem's mercy, this revelation of Hashem's infinite that reconciles opposites and brings real harmony into this world. Because the way Hashem set up this world from the moment that Adam was created, we just celebrated Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, we celebrate the sixth day of creation when Adam was created. If we're celebrating the miracle of creation, we should have celebrated day one and Hashem created heaven and earth. But we start, we say the world begins when Adam was created. Why? Because in the beginning till Adam was created, God created the world out of his own kindness. Beginning with Adam, now the rules change. From this point on, Hashem says, everything that happens is totally dependent on man. Man is now sitting in the driver's seat. We are in the engine room. We are driving the whole universe. Hashem says, from now on, I don't lift a pinky, so to speak, until you make a move. You make the first move. You smile, I smile. You act kindly to others, I act kindly to you. Whatever you do, you accept me as king of the universe, I become king of the universe. In the beginning, there was no one around to, to coronate Hashem. Hashem, on his own, decided, out of his kindness, decided to create the world. But with the creation of man, now God became interactive. Anything that happens in this world evokes a response from an high. The slightest movement in this world creates tremendous response. As Alter Rebbe says elsewhere, the Tanya, you know, the sundial, the sun moves millions of miles and then it shows up in the sundial, a little tiny movement, you know, in the, that slight movement in the sundial, you know, in the heaven, the sun just moves millions of miles. So the slightest movement in this world has such implications. It's like this, it causes an earth-shattering heavenly event. It causes a divine, divine explosion, a divine event. So Hashem says if we open our hearts, if we open our consciousness, we become conscious of Hashem and we willingly and deliberately choose Hashem and we take an action this is what evokes Hashem's response so from this point on in order to reveal this intense revelation of the infinite of the undefined in a revealed way in a manifest way in this world to create this peace and harmony it all depends on us we have to take charge when we act compassionately, we act in a merciful way. When we give tzedakah, when we give tzedakah, we give charity to someone who is dependent, someone who doesn't have in their own, and we act merciful, and we're kind, this evokes within Hashem a likewise response, a parallel response, 
and Hashem reveals His infinite self in a revealed way, and then we're able to reconcile opposites. When there's this intense revelation of godliness, then there becomes real peace and harmony. And even opposites all suddenly become harmonious, blended, unified, all part of one. Now, the arousal from above that elicits a manifestation in this great illumination and immense diffusion from the infinite aims of light in order to bring about the above-mentioned peace is affected by an arousal from below by the act of charity and by the benevolent bestowed by one man to another of life, graciousness, kindness, and compassion. To him who has nothing of his own, thereby to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the downcast. So he's saying that not only by physically giving the tzedakah and physically giving the poor person what he needs, but also by reviving his spirit, by giving him the tzedakah kindly and graciously, with a smile, gently, making him feel like a million dollars, lifting up his spirit, because a person who's in a position of need and is dependent, it's a very, it's a very humiliating feeling, you know, you know, especially a person who was once independent, was in a position to give, and now they are on the other side and they have to receive. It's very, it's a very humiliating. So it's not only to give them, to fulfill their needs, but it's how you give, to make them feel good, to make them feel like a million dollars, to lift their spirit, revive, revive their spirit. So when a person is able to give and have mercy, and how do we know you really have mercy? Because some people give just kind by nature. The animals are kind. They just give. Indiscriminately, they just give. But rachmim, rachmanus, is personal. Rachmanus is when you're able to touch the other person. Rachmanus comes from maturity. Rachmanus comes, and how do we see that? It's, it's how you give. When you give with mercy and compassion and gently and you revive the person's spirit and you make them feel proud and tall instead of you can give and crush the person with your giving. You make them, it's so clear who's the giver and who's the receiver. And you, you, it's not worth the giving. You, know? you, you kill them. You can get, kill a person in the process of giving it. But you give them in such a way that you make them feel so good about themselves. This is Rahmanas. This is a special type of giving. So when you're able to give in a way that you revive the spirit, you have Rahmanas in the person. This evokes from within the high, this evokes from Hashem, His attribute, His revelation of His attribute of mercy. And, and this intense revelation of godliness that's able to reconcile, reconcile opposites. And also the act of giving just the act of giving itself also is a peaceful act because before you give, there's a natural jealousy in this world between the haves and the have-nots. The have-nots are jealous, not fear. Why should this person have everything? He's not necessarily a better person than I am. <laughs> Maybe he's not. Maybe I'm a better person than he is. So it's not fear. Why should he have everything? Why should he be in a position of being the giver and I have to be in the position of being the beggar and the receiver? So there's a jealousy. You can't help. You're jealous of the person who has. Why should he have everything? And he has more than he needs. The 1%. <laughs> We're living in the neighborhood. The 1%. The Park Avenue, you know, that's a code name for Jews. So why? They have everything, and they say the 1% today has more wealth than 90% of the rest of the population combined. So, so you're jealous, a natural jealousy. When you give tzedakah, you overcome the jealousy. You create peace. 
how the person is not jealous. Look, he's so generous. It depends how he gives it to Daka. If he gives it to Daka like a mensch, he makes you feel like a million dollars, makes you feel like a prince, and gives it to you with gentleness and with kindness and with sensitivity, then the jealousy is removed. There's no jealousy. Then you bless the wealthy person. You're happy for him. You're happy for his success. You thank God for his success because look what, a, look what he's doing with his money. Look what a beautiful, kind, good person he is. So that creates peace. Tzedakah creates the peace and harmony. So when we create peace and harmony in our world, this evokes a response from Hashem that will also create, reveal His infinite self that will create peace and harmony and harmonize opposites. You know, the need for peace, this is like an essential... because everything in this world is in conflict. Everything. The like God set up the whole world. It's conflict. There's right and there's left. There's up and there's down. There's heaven and there's earth. Everything is split down the middle. Irreconcilable differences. There's tension. There's conflict. There's fire and there's water. So it's built into the system. The whole system that we're in, it's called Seder Ishtalshalas, in this very defined and limited system, everything is constant tension, constant op it's opposites, differences, irreconcilable differences. And how do you bring it all together? The challenge in life and the whole purpose of life. And says the Torah was given in order to bring peace into the world. The Torah was given to bring, to reconcile, to create harmony, to reconcile what appears to be opposites and bring them together. It's only within the power of the Torah, it's in the power of the divine, of the God, that we're able to bring peace. That's the mission of a Jew. The mission of a Jew is to bring peace. No one has to encourage Jews to want peace. That is our whole reason That is our whole reason for being. That is our whole essence. It's all about bringing peace, genuine peace, reconciling opposites. How? By bringing down the divine and the godly. How do we bring down the divine and the godly? When we act divine and godly. When we give tzedakah. Then we act in a godly way. We're being merciful. We're being compassionate. And the way we give tzedakah, we give it in a way that creates harmony. Instead of creating tension, you can give tzedakah and it just exacerbates the tension. It's, it highlights who is the giver and who is the receiver. When you give tzedakah in a way that you reconcile and you you make the person feel like a million dollars, you make them feel good, and you revive their spirit, and you encourage them, and you give them hope, and you give them dignity, and you give them honor, and you give, you give them tzedakah with respect and dignity. That's, that's godly, that's divine. So by bringing and overcoming the natural jealousies between the haves and the have-nots, that will be the sign of a true leader. The false leaders are those who exacerbate the tension between the haves and the have-nots and fuel the flames and feed the, feed the conflict and create conflict. And but the real approach, a genuine approach, is bringing harmony, introducing a divine element. When you introduce a divine element to life, then that's how you can reconcile the 1% with the 99%. Not by way of creating conflict and tension and class warfare. And that's crass, that's coarse, that's egotistical, that's arrogant. That's, that only leads, that exacerbates the conflict. It doesn't lead to any light, it doesn't lead to any warmth, it doesn't lead to anything. It just it worsens the conflict, deepens the conflict. But if you introduce a divine element, you introduce a godly element, and then you're able to reconcile and create genuine peace and harmony, even to areas that appear irreconcilable and opposite extremes. Even fire and water can blend together and work harmoniously. Any questions, comments? This theme, it's a very, it's, this is really a theme of peace. Any diplomat who works on peace should really first study 
chapter, epistle letter number 12. Any, Maybe marriage, any, marriage, any, any marriage counselor, any couple, <laughs> any, every human being, because this is really the challenge of life, to bring peace, you know. Peace begins in the home. If you can have peace at home, then maybe you'll be able to figure out the rest of the world. The rest of the world is the easy part. <laughs> the peace at home, that's the, that's, the, that's the challenge. Don't hug a tree. Hug your spouse. More important than hugging a tree. <laughs> it's easy to hug a tree, yeah, of course. The tree doesn't fight back. <laughs> the tree, the tree doesn't. To love your dog, of course. The, the dog licks you and loves you. It's very easy to love your cat, love your dog. Animals are pleasure. <laughs> but to love another human being, that's, that's, that's the challenge. <laughs> that's the challenge. Figure it out. That's why God gave every one of us. He gave every one of us a challenge. Yeah, one spouse. See if you can figure this out. That's all. I'm asking you a lot. Believe me, if you figure this one out, the whole world will be at peace. The whole world will suddenly become a garden of Eden. That's all. I'm not asking much. You have a whole lifetime, God says. Figure this out. One, take care of one person. Could you take care of one person? Could you live in peace and harmony with one person? Could you reconcile yourself with one person? Thank God we live. We need, we need 180 years to figure it out. But thank God we should live a long life, a healthy life. Uh, we shall have a gemarch simatayva. We shall be written and uh, sealed in the book of life. And Kippur is coming up. But you're right. This is a chapter that this gets to the essence of life. This gets to the whole key of life. This is the key that opens up the secret of life. If you figured out peace, then you figured out life. If you haven't figured out peace, you're skating on the surface. You're you're you're. You're not really getting to the heart of the matter. You're not really getting to the, the essence of the matter. You want to touch the divine? You touch the divine when you create peace. When you see peace and harmony. Create peace. You generate peace by how you act to others. And it evokes a divine, powerful divine response throughout the whole universe. Above and below, as we'll learn next time. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.